turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit robblack.com. Robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I would say happy Friday, but that always sounds kind of a little bit almost weird. Um, we made it. We had a very good week this week. We'll start next week um, with a big winning streak. Unless things go totally off the rails today, which they could. But not likely, not from what I'm seeing at this point in time. Williams, 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 um, not Powell, but Williams um, came out swinging today and said, the Fed's not really talking about cutting interest rates now. Did you guys not know that? We're talking about later. So New York Fed President Williams, he's a voter, told CNBC this morning that rate cuts are not the topic of discussion at the FOMC. He emphasized that certain members share their projections, but de-emphasized the notion that the FOMC as a whole was talking rate cuts. Um, He added that it's premature to even be thinking about the question if the market has it right with its outlook for the March rate cut. The rate cut issue, he said, is not the main question before the Fed. Um, The only problem is his boss, Jerome Powell, said it was. And they're 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 slightly going differently. It's interesting to note the real rate of inflation. If you strip out rents, is at two percent, which is where the Fed wants it. And Fed Chairman Jerome Powell talked about how um, we expect inflation to keep coming down. Yes, there may be a month or two where it spikes, um, but the only thing we need to conquer is rents at this point in time. And food, food's a problem, but it stopped going up, which means that it's no longer inflating. Some prices are coming down. So we have a little bit of a debate today on who do you want to believe and when. I would say the market is um, pulling some rate cuts forward. And what I mean by that is the 10-year treasury is saying, we see this coming. The 10-year treasury is 3.9%. I'm buying stocks at this point in time. I'm not favoring bonds or money market or CDs or anything like CDs, not like compact us, but certificate of deposits. Um, I think there's a pretty big disconnect where the, the Fed is and where inflation is. If inflation is at around 2% or even 3%, uh, we saw the CPI at 3.1% um, earlier this month and the Fed's at five and a quarter. They can come down a point. So that's that's how a lot of people are seeing this, okay? Um, again, I'm not taking this commentary to the bank in large part. I, things happen. Americans bought pet rocks in the 1970s. You cannot account for what people are going to do and not do on a day-by-day basis. The two-year treasury note, which is the most sensitive to change by the Fed fund rates, moved to from 44 to 4.5%. When Mr. Williams was speaking, he saw the market lose a little bit of um, potential for the day 
as people started taking money up from, away from buying and putting it into neutral. A um, couple other things to hit on this segment, a December Empire State Manufacturing Survey that checked in at negative 14 versus a 9.1 rating in November. Um, that is a data point that will have the market believe it in itself. A number below zero indicates contraction. So the economy is contracting in December versus November in the Empire State, the upper New York State area. Not the upper New York State. The New York State area is the right way of saying that. Um, some weak flash manufacturing PMIs for December out of Europe. Some weaker than expected retail sales and fixed asset investment data for November out of China. The Bundesbank lowering its 2024 GDP growth forecast for Germany from 1.2% growth down to four-tenths of a percent. This all adds elements that rate cuts are coming sooner rather than later. One man is a dissenter today. All the data is saying otherwise. I still think we have a market rally in us as we've gone to neutral on the Fed. No longer expecting higher rates, not necessarily expecting lower rates. I think at their next meeting, they say we go lower so that the following meeting, they can start going lower. They want us to do this a little bit before the presidential election cycle, so it doesn't look like they're juicing the market in favor of one candidate over the other. They say that's not true. Historically, it has been true. Um, and I think they're already behind. I think where you see the 10-year Treasury versus uh, the Fed fund rates tells you that they're already behind. And when you see the economic data weakening, the longer they wait to lower, the more likely that they're going to create a situation of a recession or recessionary-like conditions. They don't want to be that Federal Reserve who got it wrong on the upside, waiting too late to start and not being aggressive enough. They were more than aggressive when they started. I've never seen triple rate cut hikes when they went 75 basis points at a time. They don't want to be the one that blows this on the downside. I'm seeing a lot of the winners from this week become um, losers today, like Visa, MasterCard, and McDonald's. It is no longer everyone's moving higher in any way, shape, or form. The NASDAQ's doing well. The Russell 2000's doing okay. The Russell's had an amazing week. I'm most proud of the Russell. Uh, they are a small cap index. I'm not fond of the Russell. I prefer the Wilshire 5000 or the Russell 3000. Um, or the S&P 600, the S&P 400, which are mid-caps. Uh, the Russell has too many banks in it, regional banks. And I'm just not a big fan of regional banks. 25 years ago I was, but along came the internet and made banking so much easier that we no longer need the physical locations. I think the banking industry needs to consolidate a lot on the regional level. Um, that should make me like it, but still I do not. Still I do not. Um, let's talk about some of the other big stories that are out there today, what we're taking a look at. I've kind of hit um, today's all about Williams versus Jerome Powell. Yesterday, we had a broad market rally with the NASDAQ, the S&P, the Dow, particularly the Russell up 3% roughly. When you saw the NASDAQ up one-fifth of basis points, well, 20 basis, 20% of 1%. Moderna had a big day yesterday. They've showed a study that they're helping skin cancer. And by working with another company, Merck, um, it's actually going pretty well as far as stopping the recurrence of melanoma and other skin cancers. But earners stock up 9% after it revealed its experimental skin cancer helps cut the risk of death in half. That's significant. 
Americans are, you know, scraping off sun damage off our bodies on a regular basis. Uh, my sister had a skin cancer, uh, a mole removed that was cancerous. Um, she's younger than me. I don't go out in the sun much. I'm one of those Irish English looking tasty dudes that when I was younger, I could spend a whole hour in the sun, but now I could spend about five minutes and I'm like, Oh my goodness. It's burning me. Um, Cruz laid off a lot of people yesterday. The GM self-driving car company laid off 24% of its staff that can't bode well for automated driving and, and robo taxis. Um, but what a whole time to fire 900 people. No. Hey, it's Christmas time, Bob. How's things going for you at work? I was fired. Um, Etsy, they've laid off 11% of their staff. Hasbro has laid off 20% of its staff for 1,100 workers. Spotify did a big cut of 1,500 people um, or 17% of its staff. Great time to fire people. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. You're fired. Happy Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and any celebration that you celebrate. Good for you. Hopefully you have a job. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. I'm not against credit cards. I'm against carrying balances on credit cards. Um, I use my points as effectively as I can. Um, because I've got two kids who are Apple users. I have a credit card t- tied towards Verizon where I get 4% back on restaurants. I get 4% back on groceries and 4% back on gasoline. That's I only use the Verizon card for that. Then I've got a Chase Sapphire card. That's my travel card for hotels and flights. Um, and I get 3% back whenever I use it on hotels and flights. I also get 3% back on restaurants. Um, but I typically only use it for hotels and flights. I have no phone payment for my family. Um, as far as wireless goes, because I use that Verizon card and my points for groceries and restaurants and gasoline more than covers my monthly bill. And it also gives me access to buy things like AirPods when they go on sale um, and have that cash do it. We do consume a lot of Apple products in my home. Um, My other credit card, my final credit card, really, it's not the final one because I have a capital one for concerts so I can get seats before you do pre-sales. I only use that one like almost like at CVS, like just randomly ever, never. It's just so I can have access to pre-sale concert tickets. I guess I use it on concert tickets. Um, And another one is the city double double cash where I get 1% when I buy and 1% when I uh, pay. And what I like about that one is it covers the categories that the other credit cards don't cover. So if I go into a CVS and I don't have that covered, boom, that one goes there. Um, A local merchant, boom, it goes there. A furniture store, boom, it goes on the city double cash. Um, Notice I didn't say anything about store credit cards. Last time I opened a store credit card was 20 years ago. And that's when I was setting up a home and we went to get towels and throw pillows and all that kind of stuff. And they said, you get 30% off anything you buy today if you open a credit card. So I did, paid it off and closed it. 
Costco sold more than $100 million in gold bars last quarter. Costco had a fantastic quarter. Walmart's not the king. Target's not the king. Dollar General's not the king. Costco's the king. The one-ounce bars typically sell out within a few hours after they're loaded on Costco's website. Customers are limited to two bars per customer. They are non-refundable. Costco has found a new hit with online shoppers. Gold. I own zero gold. Um, I've never bought anything with gold, like crypto. I've never bought anything with it. When I do, I'll let you know. Um, I have hedges in my portfolio against inflation. And inflation sometimes helps your portfolio. Don't forget when grocery stores and food companies raise prices, they rarely roll them back. Um, But Costco had a, I'll be honest with you, Costco had a lovely, lovely quarter. Um, You can't really say anything too negative about Costco. Um, Plus, they announced a massive dividend for shareholders, which a one-time dividend. You don't see that happen often. So their stock is climbing to all-time highs today. They are paying a $15 dividend payout. Analysts are raising their price targets on the company. Net sales are at 6.2%. Membership fee revenue jumped to 8.2%. They could raise fees. They haven't raised fees, I believe, since 2017. So they're due for another fee increase. That'll push the stock higher. They ended the quarter with 72 million paid household members, up 7.6% from last year. Costco cardholders increased 7.1% to 129.5 million. Online sales of food items, um, gift cards, pet products, stacks were all up in the mid-teens year over year, while e-commerce appliance sales were up in the mid-20s. Online TV sales were up in the high single-digit range. I don't personally like going to Costco, but I know people that do it religiously on Saturdays and Sundays, restaurant owners that do it. Uh, One price target is $693 I see on the stock. They're paying a one-time special $15 dividend, which is a great way to reward shareholders. Um, They could have raised their dividend and spread it out over time, but Costco's board of directors declared a special cash dividend of 15 bucks per share to investors holding Costco stock as of December 28th. The dividend will be paid on January 12th with total payment of around $6.7 billion. Costco reported double-digit earnings growth in the past three quarters while revenue growth ranged from low to upper single digits over that period of time. Good for Costco. They get to wear the crown today. Long-term, I like Target, Walmart, and Costco. Um, and I think you'll see periods of time where the middle-income consumer does better and the favors Target. Um, but there's no doubt Costco's got a lovely value, a lovely value proposition. Um, let me take a look at the stock to see exactly where the value falls for me in the short term. There we go. Yeah, historically, it's got a high PE, but I think short term, people are looking at potential recession and thinking this would be a good place to hide. Um. Next year's PE, for instance, is trading at thirty at forty times, and it's this year's forty-four times. So I feel it's very, very richly valued on that. I can take a look at the price to sales; it's better, one point one six. That's a price to sales ratio. Um, taking a look at their dividend, it's less than one percent, so it's point six five because it has such a high valuation right now. 
I would not be selling into strength, but I would not be expecting a lot out of it in the next year. Um, return on equity is an impressive 27%. Uh, they do have to carry some debt, which is normal for a retailer. It's just, I don't know if they need it, if they're given that special dividend. The S&P 500 is up 23% year to date. You should have a strategy for 2024 that is not going after potentially all highly valued sectors, stocks. I would say that Costco's had a great year. Maybe look for something with a PE a little bit lower, like maybe a target. Maybe that would be your rotation. But again, if you have a long-term core position, do you want to trigger a tax event? I don't know. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So I think that valuations matter. And as you always look to the future, it's okay to know that. The S&P 500 is up 23% for the year. Um, Am I looking at that as the only index? No. And at the end of the year, I tend to buy stuff for my kids in their accounts. And I'm looking on valuation so that I try to get as good of a value as I can. Last segment, I was talking about Costco trading at 40 times future earnings. And I said, you know, you might want to consider a target. Keep in mind, I own target for the dividend. I do not own target for the growth. Um, It's trading at 15 times next year's earnings um, and has a dividend yield of 3% versus less than 1%. Again, if I were to say, let's look at this a year from now. Values would tell me that Target's going to win, except for, except for, and this is a big exception, um, Costco's got a subscription model. They got a club model. And they get, they make money off that. And they actually go as far as to report how many people have their Target subscription even after they die. Um, I'm gonna, sorry, I said Target, I meant to say uh, Costco subscription wall street loves subscription models total addressable markets um wall street loves installed bases of total addressable markets apple's got a billion plus installed devices um you get the idea enterprise microsoft has established on subscriptions wall street loves subscriptions and total addressable markets i tend to buy those companies when they are down 10 to 20 to 30 percent from their highs and I'm going to be quiet because I'm looking at a couple of companies right now that I'm looking to buy in the next couple of days, and I don't want to blow it because legally I can't buy if I've said that anything within three days. Let's bring on Tony Mendez with BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done all of my mortgages. This is an interesting time for mortgage rates. Um, they've gone from 8% like, whoa, 7%. Well, let's, let's be honest. They've gone from 2 to 3% up to 8%. Down to 7%, 6 percent in the forecast if the Fed cuts rates next year, maybe even less. I'm seeing some high sixes now. Let's bring in Tony Mendez. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com, YouTube, BayAreaLoanSource. So he has his own channel there. LinkedIn, Classic Home Loans. That's enough for him. He does all my mortgages. Tony, how are you? I'm great. You are the radio host of the Real Estate Report, heard here Wednesdays at 2 o'clock on 1220. You can also find that podcast somewhere out there. What's the name of the podcast, the Real Estate Report? 
Um, it is. I mean, you can find it streaming um, at kbw.biz as well as the website. Yeah, and all the all the big sites. Okay. So, yeah, you know the the rates are fantastic. I mean, um, to see them going the right direction, it was the biggest two day drop that we saw on rates in decades. Um, minusing out that what they don't they call unreal event or once in a lifetime um, event from the pandemic in March yeah. of 2020, but. You minus that out, it was a really good move in the right direction. It's, it's going to carry a lot of momentum into 2024. Uh, hopefully we carry it through into the spring, into the big buying season, and um, we'll see a lot of activity. And that's really what the market's been looking for is just transactions. So what are the products that are pushing the transactions right now? You, you wrote one down for me that I don't know from the alphabet. DSCR. What is DSCR? Uh, that's a, an interesting product for investors. It's for investment properties that uses the cash flow to calculate whether you qualify or not. Um, it's called debt service covered ratio. It's one of the more popular products for investors that have cash flow issues on their income. So what they do is they use the property itself to qualify, kind of like a you know as if it was just any regular business. Does it qualify? Does it cash flow? And if it does, it's almost an automatic qualification. And these go up to uh, all the big commercial lenders use them up to multi-unit, 30, 40 unit buildings, all the way down to your two unit buildings. So it's a very useful product that's um, incredibly popular with investors. Now let's talk about another product that uh, is getting some notice. And I heard it on your promotion, your commercial during the break. Bank statement loans. What are bank statement loans? Um a bank statement loan is what they call alternative income. Back in the early 2000s, you had something called stated, inc- stated loans, and that was for self-employed borrowers where their gross income didn't quite – it was much higher than their net. And you qualify in your net income when you're self-employed. So what happened is that went away during the Dodd-Frank, you know, the qualified mortgage and ability to repay rule. So that what replaced it is what they call non-qualified mortgage loans. And this bank statement loan is part of that arena. And what they do is they use your deposits into your business account as opposed to your your net income. And they, they put a money, fa- uh, like an expense factor to it, and it calculates an income, which can be much higher than your net, and they use that to help you qualify. So, and that could be for investment, owner-occupied, but it's a really good program that's useful for self-employed borrowers. Another one that I see on your list of products that are popular today, um, and this is kind of interesting to me because I got a submission from someone who wanted me to review their portfolio and they own like 10 rental properties. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting. His email went as far as to say, I've got two kids. I don't care. I'm going to decide which one gets what property. I'm not going to let them decide. I'm like, I think you're making a mistake. I think you're taking your forcing your kids into what you want versus what they need. Um, but he had a lot of two to four unit owner occupied uh, units and he's done really, really well. A little poor on the investment side, very, very rich on the real estate side. Uh, what is a Fannie Mae two to four unit owner occupied 5% down product? Because most of our listeners right now only know 30 year mortgages, 15 year mortgages. On occasion, they've heard about that exotic 40 year mortgage. They might know adjustable rate mortgages, but it stops there. What is a two to four unit owner occupied 5% down Fannie Mae? So, 
that falls into the arena of products drive the market. So lenders are always trying to attract business. And, you know, during 2023, it's been very slow. And, uh, you know, they continue tweaking the guidelines. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the largest purchaser of mortgage-backed uh, wrapping mortgage-backed securities, selling them on the market, they buy them from lenders. They change their guidelines. So instead of having to put like 20 to 25% down on an owner-occupied multi-unit property, up to four units, they switched their guidelines to put 5% down. And the reason they did that is they, they need to compete with, with FHA. Uh, also, they've seen the demand that a lot of buyers can't buy a qualify for a single family residence and they're just going to, so they look at the, like a duplex or a triplex where you can use the other units to help supplement your income. Um, so those type of units have been a lot more popular, but they've been out of the reach for low down payment buyers. So Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac changed their rules so that you could put less money down as long as you stay within the performing limit. But the federal housing finance agency has also increased those limits to include a higher loan balance for those multi-units. So it's attracting a lot more buyers, and it's it's good news for the 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 buyer that wants to live in a property that's multi-unit and use get that other income. Sounds about right. Um, any other things that are driving products? Any other products you want to hit before we wrap this up? Well, in, in general, the. I think the other day I said that there was we we have more products today than we have pretty much ever. Yeah, the guidelines right. are pretty tight, but we have more products today. So um, we just don't have subprime. We don't have that hundred percent financing for a person that doesn't make any money. Um, you have to still have to qualify, and that's the the main part. But the products are there, um, and as a we're a broker. So we use multiple different lenders with multiple different products that, that conform to each kind of client. Sounds good. It's Tony Mendez. He does all my mortgages. He's been a personal friend of mine, and I encouraged him to get into this industry because I needed people who have ethics and morals to help people. Mortgages are probably the biggest financial tool, biggest financial debt you'll ever take on. It is a liability for a long period of time before it becomes an asset, um, but it, the real estate, the principal can, can become an asset, but also the product. Um, he got me a mortgage in the low, in the mid twos. Holy mackerel. I never dreamed of that. You can find Tony Mendez. He works with Classic Home Loans. He is a mortgage broker. He works with the office as well. So he does a lot of the processing. He knows how to get loans done, residential and commercial financing, uh, servicing California and Oregon. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. And he'll probably even tell you a funny story or two about me if you chit-chat him up. You can find him online at BayAreaLoanSource.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Never, ever be shy. As the market goes on today, um, you're seeing a little bit of nervousness that we've gone too far too fast to, nope, we still see rates now below 4%. A couple weeks ago, we were at 5%. That's a big exponential drop. Exponential in the world of stocks and bonds is power. It's a powerful move that the Fed is done raising interest rates. We got the pivot this week. We've been wanting it for six months. We got it. Now, I think at the next meeting, they have to say, we're thinking about lowering rates. So that means at the meeting after that, they lower rates. There is a disconnect between where we are and where we're headed with inflation. If you strip out rents, our inflationary numbers are at 2%. 
um, heading to zero. There's a chance that our inflationary numbers hit zero when rents start to fall a little bit more. They take time because people typically sign a one-year lease. Um, I think there is a leg up when they cut rates. Now that I think there's a leg up when they pivot it. We've seen that already. How far can it go? We'll see. But I think there's another leg up when they cut rates. And I think there's another leg up if AI truly becomes a productivity tool in the United States as used by enterprises. Right now, Microsoft has said enterprises are rolling out AI, ChatGPT4 for enterprise clients. They're seeing big adoption. We should start seeing big productivity gains if we can figure out the applications to take advantage of AI. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. And again, I'm not always this bullish. It changed this week. It changed when the Fed changed. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. And please note that on occasion I may make a mistake and not say the right word on this show. It's not intentional. You should always consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned. I do have an event coming up that I want to talk about. It's in mid-January. These have been kind of successful. I enjoy them enormously. It's called the Pints and Portfolio. It's the first event of 2024. It's Saturday, January 20th. It's going to be in Sunnyvale, 1130 to 2. Um, I'll tell you the location. It's a brewery. After you sign up for investors with more than 500,000 in investable assets, we give you a free portfolio review um, that talks tax efficiency, diversification, returns, and risk. I refer to it as a financial snapshot. It's at least a $500 value. Um, so come join me and let's have a couple beers on a Saturday afternoon, 1130 to two. Uh, but you have to sign up online and that's when we get some information and we help you with your portfolio review. We kind of know how to talk to you. I bring a CFP with me, but um, they're typically pretty fun. Someone brought me some book street last time. Um, some lovely couples. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's really nice to put names, uh, our faces to names and you can drop in anytime between 1130 and two. I'll give the location when you sign up. Uh, Ryan Ignacio is a CFP that works with a CFP, Chad Burton. He will be there to answer any financial questions. I'll talk stocks. I'll talk about my portfolio. You can sign up at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. It's January 20th, 1132. And it's going to be in Sunnyvale. Um, Wharton Professor Jeremy Siegel, his 2024 outlook. I like Jeremy Siegel. Now, again, I understand that he works for a college and I understand that he gets paid to come out and, and be sensational or be likable or be personable on television. Fully aware. He's called the Wizard of Wharton. He expects value in small cap stocks to outpace the Magnificent Seven next year. A lot of analysts are calling for that. Now, the Russell 2000 is not my favorite small cap index. I would say the Wilshire 5000, the Russell 3000, the NASDAQ 100 is a little bit different of an index versus the S&P 500. A lot of indexes that we talk about, the Dow, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, and the Russell, um, they're a little bit overly known. And like what I don't like about the Russell 2000 is it's got too many financial companies that are losing money. Um, I think 2024, you want to be in companies that are making money. Of the 10 to 15 stocks I'm going to go over on the final show of the year coming up on a podcast, um, I have one that's losing money. One. One. Um, so I tend to favor companies that are earning money. 
but I do like, um, I don't like that there's a, a growing consensus that small caps, mid caps and international do better than the S&P 500 or Magnificent 7. It's just, it's a little bit of a crowded trade. Doesn't mean that I won't play along, but it's a little bit of a crowded trade this week for the record. Small mid cap and international have rocked the S&P 500. Um, so maybe that trade's being pulled forward a little bit. Um, the Russell 2000 went from being up like 4% to being up 11, 12%. It's like, wait, 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 did I fall asleep and that happened? A good year suddenly happened in one week. It kind of did. This was a big week because the Fed chairman, um, twice, uh, came out and said, you know, rates are restrictive right now and the economy is slowing and we have full employment and, uh, inflation's coming down. 3.1% was the CPI read. The PPI read was weak as well or deflating. Um, minus real estate, um, rental prices and, and used cars. We are where we need to be on a year over year basis. Rental cars are going to drop in the mid teens, like 10, 15, 20, 25% in car prices, used car prices is what I'm saying. And rent should continue to work lower over time. Um, not significantly lower, but it'll be caught up in the year-over-year comparisons quickly. So the Fed is, I'm not saying mission accomplished. Month-to-month things can change quickly. But they changed this week from being restrictive um, and potentially raising one more time to now they're neutral. And I think the next one they're going to say we're leaning towards cutting. And the meeting after that, they cut. Uh, They don't want to wait too long. Will the size of the cuts be 50 basis points or 25 basis points? That we do not know yet. But early to mid-2024, expect rate cuts based on what the money flows are showing us right now and based on the words out of Jerome Powell's mouth. Big event this week changed everything. Today, we're seeing huge quarterly options and futures expiration. Very volatile day. Relative strength in some mega cap stocks. There's a sense that the market's on it overbought on a short-term basis this morning we kind of got a a wet blanket and i'm okay with wet blankets but new york fed president williams he is a voter on the fomc um he told cnbc that rate cuts are not the topic of discussion even though his boss said quite differently jerome powell this week i find that discouraging mortgage rates fell below seven percent more declines are on the way again back to wharton professor jeremy siegel he says 2024 stocks and home prices will jump interest rates will tumble recession won't hit i found him in his career to be more right than wrong he says the dow just surged to an all-time high um the sp 500 is up 23 percent year to date just two percent below its all-time intraday high of 48.19 and in january 22 um, its gains were driven by the Magnificent Seven, a group of tech stocks that includes Tesla and NVIDIA, Apple and Microsoft, Alphabet, Amazon, and Meta. Um, he thinks 2024 will see more value in small caps rising by 10 to 15% to outperform large cap growth stocks. There's something called the Callan Periodical tape, Periodic Table of um, Investments. And it does show you that historically, S&P 500 will have one or two good years, followed by the Russell 2000 will have one or good two years, followed by cash will have one or two good years, followed by home prices will have one or two good years. What leads this year does not necessarily lead next year is the point there. 
Um, I don't like the speculation that I'm seeing right now. I don't like crypto. Um, I don't like I don't like companies like Peloton who are losing lots of money. I like quality growth stocks that reassert themselves, like the Googles, the NVIDIAs, the Teslas, the Amazons. Um, I would imagine we could have a rise in home prices, he said, of 4 to 5% in 2024. Um, interest rates are going to fall, reducing mortgage rates and freeing up cash to spend on homes. Wharton, it's Jeremy Siegel, I think is more right than wrong, more often than not. He's not quite a Buffett to me, but he's pretty close. You can find me online at Rob Black Show. You can sign up for that pints and portfolio in early January at robblackshow.com. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth.